Coming up, Tori Amos has a new musical called The Light Princess. Do you see yourself on stage helping to perform this musical if it does come to Broadway? Chris, no. No. I'm, <laughs> see, I was trying to prompt you to get you to jump in and say, yes, of course. No. Buy your tickets now. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Updates on arts and entertainment. Interviews with celebrities and marquee guests. Hi, I'm Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. My guest today is Tori Amos. She has a new musical called The Light Princess. The soundtrack is just out now, and she's here with the man who wrote the book for the musical, Samuel Adamson. Samuel, Tori, thanks for coming to the Wall Street Journal. Thank you for having us, Chris. Great to see you again. Thanks, Chris. Of course, Tori, everyone knows you as a rocker, as a performer, as a pianist. What made you decide to turn your attentions to the musical? Well, I've wanted to do it for a long time. My mom would play me musicals when I was little after my dad would go to the church to go be a, a preacher. And while he was out the door, she would um, lock it and say, okay, let's get busy. And she would put records on. And her, she loved musical theater. She loved, of course, Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, Fats Weiler, that kind of music. And so she really introduced me to it. Now, was she locking the door to keep you in to listen to music, or was she locking the door so you wouldn't get any interruptions from the outside? She was making sure that my father couldn't check on us because (laughs) I wasn't practicing the hymns that I was supposed to be practicing. Now, I've heard that one of your favorite Broadway shows was Jesus Christ Superstar. There was a soundtrack that really influenced you, that you you loved growing up. Is, Is that true? When I was young, the babysitter brought it over, and it began to, um, well, Sonic Theater, right? I began to hear the possibilities. I didn't see it until years and years and years later. But I guess that's been a huge influence on the album that Sam and I made. Sam is um, co-lyricist on The Light Princess, and we worked together. He He knew that Jesus Christ Superstar was probably the soundtrack that changed my life and was a real benchmark on this. Now, with The Light Princess, Sam... Um what made you decide to choose that story as something you wanted to adapt into a musical? Because the story is, is an old one. It goes back to the 19th century when the book was first published. What made you decide we want to turn this into a musical? Well, it was actually Tori's idea. She came to the National Theatre with the story. And um, it is indeed a late 19th century Scottish fairy tale. Um, and it's very... Uh, beautiful and simple story about a girl who um, can't cry. Uh, She's cursed by a wicked aunt and um, she spends her life in the air um, and she's unable to be serious about anything and it's only when she finally meets a prince and falls in love with him and when uh, that love is taken away because he sacrifices himself for her and is apparently dead, it's only then that she feels the weight of of love and she's finally able to cry and she and she and she comes to earth there's just something very simple in that idea and something very beautiful in that metaphor that appealed to Tori and then when I met Tori that appealed to me and what we wanted to do was um not necessarily to make it overtly um or not to put it into a kind of contemporary world but to make sure that it had contemporary resonance and so we really looked at that metaphor and asked ourselves what it meant and 
how it might speak to contemporary young people. Um, and we decided to get rid of the curse, and we started exploring this notion that the girl's actually floating because it's a response to grief. Her mother dies when she's six, and she floats into the air because she's trying to chase her mother to heaven, and also because she's not facing any of the dark and problematic complexities of life on the ground. And that was the starting point for us. And once we, once we found that, we thought that we possibly had a story that we really, really wanted to tell. You know, one thing I find interesting, the fact that, in you know, a you are doing this musical based on a fairy tale, is that, to me, you know, because I have two young kids, a lot of fairy tales are kind of broken um, at the start, that you, 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 you read them to your kids and you think to yourself, that's quite twisted, or that doesn't really have a good message for, for young girls or young boys, and why am I even reading this to them? I, I need something that's, that is updated or speaks to, to our times and doesn't sort of root us in the past. So what attracted you to this whole, the whole genre of fairy tales, given that a lot of them really are, are quite weird and strange and not good for kids when you think about them? Well, you know I like a bit of weird. <laughs> and the thing is, um, well, we knew we wanted to target teenagers, really, and precocious kids, kids that were open to talking about uh, subjects that aren't easy to talk about. And fairy tale form because it's magical, because it is a little twisted, then you're able to deal with really mm, ouchy feelings. Things that, whether it's uh, losing somebody that you love, death, um, arguments, parents trying to change their children. Um, there are lessons in fairy tales. There are lessons. And yet, Chris, I know what you're saying. That's why we knew for a 21st century audience it had to be something whereby uh, hopelessness turns into hope, that there's empowerment for the teenage boy and the teenage girl. And that was something Sam and I spent a lot of time, and you can talk to Chris about, Sam, all the things, all the issues that we're looking at. Yeah, because you added some issues to the story by George MacDonald, the guy who wrote The the Light Princess in 1864. It didn't have the element of war in it, and it's something you inserted into the text, into the book, for the musical version, correct? Yes, we, we've taken liberties with the, um, with the book, but we, I suppose in a way we, with the story, we, we used it as a jumping-off point. There were all kinds of things that we wanted to explore that are kind of violently contemporary, but I suppose in some ways um, I found the prince character, as well as the princess, but the prince character in, in the original story is um, a bit of a cardboard cutout. And actually, that's deliberate on the part of George MacDonald. He's very sly, and he's slightly um, sending up the fairy tale genre. Actually, we decided that's something we didn't want to do. We wanted to be quite sincere about starting with words once upon a time. But we just began to explore the idea that these princes, the prince and the princess, came from different sides of the tracks, and that they were from different cultures and that they were from cultures that were at loggerheads and so in a way it became a Romeo and Juliet story and the journey of the two young people as they're trying to work out who who they are is also the journey of the kingdoms because in falling in love um, they teach the kingdoms that that, that that the war is wrong and unnecessary, and they make the kingdoms and the kings, their parents, um, look at their own, look at their own behaviour. So, in a way, the idea of the of sort of two kids who have come from completely different cultures just felt um, it just felt relevant. Now, of course, there's lots in the story that deals with grief, that deals with the tension between parents and kids 
and the loss of a parent. Tori, does this any of this speak to your own biography? Was there anything um, in your life that you saw in this story, and, and, and that explains one of the reasons why you wanted to sort of tackle it? Well, the teenage girl, um, I can't say that I'm not far from... She's close to my heart. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, my father and I, we get along wonderfully now. He's fantastic. But when I was a teenager, yeah, did we, did we disagree on things? He had this idea that I should be um, a, a church organist and that I should make music for the church. And that was his plan for me. And guess what, Chris? That wasn't my plan. <laughs> so he and I, he had an idea of who he wanted me to become, and he thought he was doing the best for me. He would say, this is because I love you. I'm, I want you to do this because it's right. And I'm, I'm trying to get you to make the right decision. But sometimes now that I'm a parent, I can see that we're making decisions not for the child, but for ourselves, or something that we wish we had done. I think my dad would love to be playing the organ, rocking out at the organ to Amazing Grace. He, he, is, he doesn't have a, a voice, but I think he wanted to. His soul wants to sing more than he wanted to be a preacher. So I do think that that's something he wished he had done. And Sam and I were exploring the father's values and who they wanted their kids to become versus who the kids wanted to become themselves. Well, I think I know we're going to take a break right now and come back with more with Tori Amos and Samuel Adamson. They're here. All new podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, including Your Money Matters, Watching Your Wealth. Hi, this is Veronica Dagger. Join me every week for Wealth Wednesday, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Tune in weekly for a fresh take on the secrets to financial success straight from the top money experts from the Wall Street Journal and beyond. Plus all the latest advice, tips and checklists and more for expanding your wealth into more wealth. For more info, check out WSJ.com forward slash podcast and be sure to follow us on twitter at wsj podcasts watching your wealth from the wall street journal ambition comes with earbuds now updates on arts and entertainment interviews with celebrities and marquee guests this is wsj speakeasy hey i'm christopher john farley a senior editor at the wall street journal i'm here with tori amos and samuel adamson they're the creators behind a play a musical called the light princess now, Tori, a lot of rockers have done musicals in the last couple of years. I mean, of course, going back a little bit, Elton John, Sting had a musical. Uh, what is attracting people who had success in the rock and roll pop realm to try their hand at Broadway and the West End and the stage, bringing these musicals to the public? Story and structure. So you have to love story. You have to love it. And then you have to want to discover the tools. Perhaps you have a few of them, but you must expand them in order to write structure for musical. And that's something that Sam and I work together with, he being a great playwright. would um, you know we, we really developed that together. Are there any musicals that you've seen in recent years that really kind of spoke to you? I've heard also that In the Heights the Lynn manuel uh, Miranda uh, uh, 
production, you really liked that. Is, is that true? I mean, what other musicals have speak, spoken to you in the last well, few years? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Hamilton next week. So, uh, how, another, how another musical by him, yeah. Yes. Uh, we saw Fun Home last night. Yeah, which was, I, I mean, truly terrific. I thought it's such an original piece of work and it deals with issues and, and characters that I haven't seen on stage before. And um, I thought it was tender and moving, beautifully structured, really wonderful production. It was a really terrific thing to see. Yeah, I mean, shows like Fun Home, shows like Hamilton make you believe in Broadway a little bit more these days. You think there's some, some fresh stuff happening on stage. Do you want to see The Light Princess come to Broadway? I've heard that you're working on Bring It to Broadway, had a run on the West End. What's what's the what's the circuit? Where is that right now? Where does it stand? Well, we were at the National Theater, so that's um, state-funded. So we haven't made the jump into commercial theater yet. The first commercial presentation is the album with Universal Mercury Classics. So... That's really been our focus for the last year is making sonic theater happen in your headphones um, so that the stage play that we did at the British National Theater could come alive for that girl in Ohio and that boy in Wisconsin. And then the idea, of course, is putting a team together, a team that, that, honestly, Chris, a brave team, a team that won't betray our teenagers in the story because this story... Is, is not just a night of entertainment. It doesn't just um, skim the surface like an, I, I don't know, El Dante spaghetti. It's we get in there and, and we talk about it. Do you see this as a story for, for teens, for young people primarily, or for all audiences? I mean, who do you see in the audience for this show? Well, for me, it's anybody who's ever been a teenager and for anybody who's about ready to be one and for those who are. It's interesting what you said about fairy tales before, because I think that I think that's a, a fascinating point that maybe sometimes fairy tales are not appropriate for young children. We think that they're light and fluffy, but in fact, you know, they're dark and they deal with human issues. They deal with abandonment. They deal with parents who don't understand their children. There, there's danger in most fairy tales, and in, in a sense, um, I think we're probably for uh, we're certainly a, it's a story about working out who you are. And working out who you are is often a dangerous, gloriously messy thing. Um, so as Tori says, anybody who's been a teenager, um, this story is for them. Yeah, I should say with fairy tales, it's not that I feel that they should, um, kids should avoid them because they deal with you know, dark themes or weird themes. It's more that I think they're often embedded with archaic themes that, that maybe are out of step with what we want to teach young men and young Young women today, absolutely, and 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 you know that 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 is, that was the problem I think with just adapting George MacDonald's fairy tale because the princess is wonderful and it's a very charming story and it's beautifully written and it's and it's very witty. But I don't think that the the character who's nameless, by the way, she doesn't even have a name. I don't think that she's got a lot to say to to young women or young uh, young men today. And it was important for us that we really, really turned the rock over and really began to ask questions about who she is and why she's in the air and what that means and where that might have come from. So it's absolutely about taking the fairy tale genre, taking the archetype types of fairy tales, and then really interrogating what that might mean in a contemporary sense. Now, Tori, when Sting did his musical The Last Ship, he ended up putting himself in the musical himself. Uh, when Billy Joe Armstrong did his musical, American Idiot, he ended up doing a run where he was in the musical as well. 
Do you see yourself on stage helping to perform this musical if it does come to Broadway? Chris, it, no. No. I'm, <laughs> see, I'm, I was trying to prompt you to get you to jump in and say, yes, of course. No. Buy your tickets now. Yeah, no. Well, no. I think you feel me and Sam through the writing. Uh, the score is centered around a piano. It's, it's, a, it's a busy little score, but the piano's there. And who knows, one night in that pit, you never know. Um, I might sit next to the great piano player, whoever, whomever we get, and maybe just, uh, you know, put a high heel on and play a Busendorfer down in the pit. Uh, and there are two bonus tracks on the original cast album where Tori um, sings and plays beautifully two, two numbers from the show. So if you have the original cast album, you can hear Tori's take on, on two of the songs. Yeah, you do play two songs, Highness in the Sky and Darkest Hour. What about those two tracks made you think, I want to jump in and do those two tracks for the original cast album? Well, Darkest Hour is, um, it's been with me and Sam for a while now. It was sort of, what would you say, the core? Yeah, that's a good the, way. The heart and soul, the core of the show where she goes to the lake to drown herself. Um, and this attempted suicide moment, it's been with us for a while because teenagers do do take themselves to a place where when they feel so um, hopeless and that their life, they just can't fix things so that life doesn't seem worth living. I felt, for me, this song is one of the most important that I've ever been a part of writing. And it reminded me a lot of the energy and emotion on Little Earthquakes. So in some ways, The Light Princess is very similar to little earthquakes as far as the, the, mm, the feelings, the, the issues. And Darkest Hour is, um, it could have fit on little earthquakes, so I wanted to do that. Highness in the Sky, the prince sings. And to do a song, oh my goodness, to write for men. How, how amazing, just to write for all these men. We just had such a great time, didn't we, Sam? We did, and, uh, you know, we, we, we developed the the piece over over a few years so we did workshops and things where we got to know actors so Tori and I both began to write for specific voice types and specific specific people which was very um inspirational to us but it's nice that Tori has kind of reclaimed a couple of numbers and 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 they're beautiful because they they're very different from from the tracks on, on in in the main body of the work and and they they reveal new things about the songs now, uh, Tori, one thing I find interesting is I'm sort of skipping to another subject here is I, I follow you on Twitter, and I noticed that um, you're one of those sort of celebrities that only follows a couple other people on Twitter. You, you follow three accounts, the Rain account, which we can talk about what that is, Neil Gaiman's account, the, the comic book creator and writer, and the Light Princess, in, you know, uh, the account for the show when it played in, in England. Uh, why so? Why do people follow so few accounts like that? I mean, because you have many more followers than you have people that you follow. What's up with that? Well, Chris, should I be following you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my hint. That's, <laughs> that's what we're getting at here. Why aren't you following me? Well, okay, we can turn that around <laughs> very quickly. It's been. It's just been one of those things where I'm trying to understand it, and mm. I know people might laugh at me. I mean, my daughter has said, you know, Mom, the truth is if you try and lock anything so that I can't watch whatever I want or go online, <laughs> you'll just lock yourself out on. So I'm just trying to get my head around how it works. And um, I, I know I'm a little bit slow on my following, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be picking it up. I'm just <laughs> learning how it works, though. And can you tell us more about what rain is? 
the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's our nation's hotline um, that deals with calls now even in, we're very happy to announce in Spanish. And that's been really important because we didn't realize um, how essential that we need to be available for people in the in the Spanish-speaking community. We also had, um, for our armed services, we had a, a hotline devoted to them. We didn't realize how many of our armed service men and women, and I must say men, uh, who have been um, attacked and who have to deal with this in order to step from victim to survivor. Okay, well, the, the album is called the Light Princess, it's the original cast recording. Um, Tori Amos, Samuel Adamson, thanks a lot for coming to the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. That was Tori Amos and Samuel Adamson talking about the original cast recording for their musical, The Light Princess. Thanks for listening to us. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.